Welcome back to Rammer Slammer. I am Ben Flanagan, and today we're going to keep it simple, and we're going to focus on the WWE's big last couple of nights. We're going to recap Fastlane and recap Raw, and joining me to do that is my brother Graham Flanagan from Business Insider. Graham and I both watched Fastlane on Sunday night, as well as Raw, and Monday night seemed to be the bigger show in the eyes of fans who wanted to see something happen just in the way of, of things changing and twists and narratives taking left turns that just haven't happened and that they had hoped might happen at Fastlane leading up to WrestleMania. Now we're about 40 days out from the big night in Dallas, Texas at Jerry World. And for starters, Graham, what did you think of Fastlane? Oh, well, in terms of the the main event, I thought the main event was, was very entertaining. The triple threat between Brock Lesnar, Dean Ambrose, and Roman Reigns. Uh, just an extremely entertaining match with a fun dynamic where um, Brock was dominant when both uh, when he was up. Uh, Brock dominated Ambrose and Reigns completely, uh, and Ambrose and Reigns, even though they were adversaries in the match, they knew going in that they had to team up to keep Lesnar down so that they could then have their own match with each other. I thought that was a really fun dynamic, especially when they'd be fighting and they would see that they needed to stop fighting so they could deal with Brock. There were some great spots when they powerbombed him through two different announce tables. Uh, extremely entertaining stuff and, and trying to bury him under the debris that they'd created. There were just great physicality in the match, you know, and, and great selling, especially on the part of Ambrose, just getting dominated by by the listener. So, you know, it's interesting that, that they decided to put Roman Reigns in another WrestleMania match, even after a year of fan backlash. Uh, they have really literally doubled down on Roman Reigns as being a main event attraction, despite the fact that that night and the following night, last night on Raw, Reigns is just, he's just detested by the fans, by the smart fans, I should say. But that's not enough to slow down the momentum that WWE is trying to give him. So, you know, and in Fastlane, that, that was honestly the only the only thing that I really have cared to revisit, the only thing that's really cared about watching. And that, that you know, that speaks to sort of where did that right now. I think it's pretty common knowledge that they're viewed as being in a creative rut. And I agree. I don't care as much about each match, each feud equally. There are really only a handful of things that I'm really interested in right now. Also, I mean, I pay attention to what's going on and try and watch out for new intriguing storylines. But right now I, my interest is pretty much on like three or four different, different feuds and, and the uh, fast lane match. While I felt it was a little short, I could have, I would have loved to see it go on longer uh, was, was very entertaining and you can't really get too mad at the outcome because I mean, we, we kind of all saw this coming. Um, but what it did do was set up uh, what's truly, truly going to be one of the most anticipated matches we've had in a while, which is the no holds barred, street fight between Brock Lesnar and Dean Ambrose that was booked last night on Raw. Yeah, before we get to Raw, let, let's stick with that main event for a second, because I, I'm with you in that it, it was really the only thing I, I really cared about, even though I think that several of the matches on Fastlane were really entertaining, but I, I loved the build-up to the main event of that pay-per-view, particularly the angle between Brock Lesnar and Dean Ambrose, something that 
I, I personally had wanted to see was that matchup and, and how they could convince fans that Dean Ambrose was the right guy to face Brock Lesnar or possibly feud with him because there's this lingering perception out there among smart fans, like you said, and, and even Mark fans that Brock Lesnar has no worthy opponent, right? That he's too formidable. He Everybody knows that he is a real fighter who could actually beat up everybody on the roster. And so how could anybody that they have who's unproven in the real world actually pin him one, two, three? Dean Ambrose, to me, was a realistic option because he at least has this characteristic of being a loose cannon, the lunatic fringe. And what, the reason it works is because the – Dean Ambrose is crazy enough to sort of throw his entire being at Brock Lesnar until there's no more Dean Ambrose. And that's exactly how they've played it. And I think it's one of the best developed feuds that they've had in, in a long time with two of the most exciting characters and, and wrestlers they have in WWE right now. So that, to me, is working on pretty much every level right now. And I thought that they performed extremely well together during that match. I thought Reigns was really good in the match. And honestly, I'm still at kind of a loss for the reaction that Reigns has had lately or really over the past year since last year's Royal Rumble, obviously when the Philly crowd just derailed his momentum as the next top guy, I guess, to follow in the footsteps of John Cena as being the face of the company. Honestly, like I, I personally like Roman Reigns. Maybe his push came a little too soon but it, it, I was totally fine with it. He was great with the Shield, and he had a really, really good singles run leading up to Royal Rumble. And the weird thing, Graham, is I've gone back and watched a lot of 2014 pay-per-views. The, all the fans really loved Roman Reigns. He, he got big reactions when he came out and when he performed in matches and when he won matches. And suddenly, because of this Philly crowd who I guess had just had enough and wanted to be the symbol to voice the, dis, the fan displeasure, at burying Daniel Bryan and pushing Roman Reigns prematurely, I think it's unfortunate that they have really sort of ruined Roman Reigns as, you know, as is. And I think the right thing to do is eventually to make him a bad guy. I don't know if they plan to do that, if they're going to bend to the will of the fans. And we'll see where they go from there and we'll see, you know, how this whole WrestleMania man event goes. I think, like you said, the most anticipated match on this WrestleMania card now as we get to Raw is this Lesnar no-holds-barred match. It is, for me at least, way more than the main event. So I'm super pumped about that. And I think that, like you said, Fastlane, that main event was terrific, and, and I hope we get something like it, in, like you said, a little longer come WrestleMania time. So, Graham, let's get to Raw here. Something big happened. A couple of big things happened, but really – Something huge happened during the opening segment where Vince McMahon came out to present the Vincent J. McMahon Legacy Award or whatever it is. And he started the show by presenting it to his sort of predictably to A. McMahon, his daughter, in this case, Stephanie. And when Stephanie comes out there and she starts to read her prepared acceptance speech out of a trapper keeper or whatever that was, Somebody else came out. Somebody else, someone's music started playing, and it happened to be Shane McMahon, and it really shocked a lot of people, and the house in Detroit there blew up and gave him a huge reaction, and it had been years since we'd seen him. 
sort of help people understand the context of what happened last night, why Shane coming back was such a big deal, and sort of what this means moving forward for WWE. So the opening segment of Raw, in my opinion, began to, if not completely did, uh, heal the wounds that were inflicted to many, mostly smart fans, by the outcome of Fastlane, where Roman Reigns is now booked as one of the main event participants participants at WrestleMania. And that's because Shane McMahon returned after an absence from the WWE that's gone on for about six years now. I think he last appeared in the, on, on camera in, in 2010. So Shane McMahon comes out and gets a, an, an amazing reaction from the crowd. And Stephanie and Vince just play it perfectly. They're just, they're shocked. They're appalled. They're, they're angry. And Shane just has all this swagger. He's been gone for so long. He's great. He's changed. And he comes to the ring and cuts this amazing promo where he actually, in a way, shoots on Stephanie and, and mostly Vince about how since they've, since he's, he's directing this at Stephanie, and he says, since you and your husband have been in charge, that you've run the company into the ground. You can look at the stock, you can look at the ratings, and you can look at all of the injured talent on the roster. So those three issues are real issues. So that you could file that under work shoot, because it's obvious that this was a scripted thing. Everyone knew he was going to say that. But what he said was, was true. Um, which is very bold, and you, you know you don't you don't see a lot of uh, criticism of the company kayfabe or, or not actually in the context of of the product. So it was an amazing segment, and now Shane McMahon is back. Everyone's excited about that. It adds a whole new dimension to the authority angle, an angle of which I'm I am definitely a fan, and, and now I'm excited to see where it goes. But it also set up what people are going to be looking forward to way more than the purported main event of WrestleMania, which is going to be Shane McMahon versus Undertaker in Hell in a Cell. So it was an amazing segment. It got me excited. It made me feel a lot better. Even though overall I enjoyed Fastlane's big main event, just in terms of it being a wrestling match, was a big fan of it and was very entertaining. But, you know, it definitely gave us something new to look forward to after, you know, they, they sort of booked a main event where we see – the same challenger from last year back in the main event. Yeah, I thought Shane McMahon killed it last night. I thought he was great. He, his promo work was as good as ever, if not more refined even. And the way the crowd reacted to him, I thought, was the shot in the arm that the company obviously needed. And it was reflected by the fact that Shane McMahon was trending worldwide. He was the number one trending worldwide topic on Twitter so we know that it wasn't just in-house in Detroit last night. It, it, it was everybody who seemed to love the fact that, A, he was back, and he seemed to be in great form. And the fact that he's going to be in a WrestleMania match is sort of a throwback to that peak of the McMahon run there in sort of the early to mid-2000s. And he looks to be in great shape, so I expect him to deliver in ring as he has in the past, even though he's not. You know, what we obviously think of as the typical traditional WWE wrestler, he's still been able to perform at a really high level, and, and he's going up against one of the all-time greats on, on the biggest possible stage. So there, there's a lot of pressure, obviously, 
on on him to deliver and obviously on Vince's sort of big picture vision to deliver, but they've certainly set it up nicely. And I'm sure this is just a fraction of, of what all is going to go down and, and what we can expect in the 40 or so days leading up to WrestleMania and what we can expect at the actual event. But I think that we're obviously heading in the right direction in, in the crowd response last night and what we saw on Twitter last night seems to suggest that the collective attitude is now we're talking among the fans. And this was something that WWE creatives needed to do. They needed to make a big change. Fans wanted to see a big twist that they hadn't seen in Sunday night's pay-per-view and obviously pay-per-views leading up to it, at least since, I guess, either WrestleMania, which had a phenomenal ending last year, or the Battleground pay-per-view, which obviously brought The Undertaker back and ended what could have been one of the great matches ever between Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar, which I thought, while they were making a big twist, they made a terrible decision creatively and not letting those guys compete there on that stage. And so you kind of have give and take here with WWE, which fans are obviously used to. But I think the attitude that fans had on you know at the end of Fastlane was great, more of the same. They're serving up reigns the exact same way that they did with the Royal Rumble, why haven't they listened to the fans in the way that they did leading up to WrestleMania 30, where they finally gave in and gave somebody like Daniel Bryan, a big fan favorite, his big moment? Why aren't they doing that again? I guess maybe because there isn't a person who who the fans have latched onto in a similar way, and so that has informed Vince and company to sort of keep pushing on when it comes to Reigns. But, Graham, you know, personally, I, I... like I've said, I don't have a problem with Reigns, and I just think it's so weird that fans have derailed his momentum the way that they have. I, I think he had a great singles run leading up to that Royal Rumble where the Philly crowd just turned on him and turned on Vince because he was getting the push that they wanted Daniel Bryan to keep getting once he came back from injury and subsequently got buried in that actual Rumble to make way for Reigns' big push, but I I think it sucks because, you know, I don't have a problem really with Reigns. Maybe his his push was a little premature, but I think that he's done a good job and he's obviously developed really well on Nike and in ring since all that went down. So it's a shame that they're doing that, but I do think that WWE has had a couple of big moments that they've really needed, especially on Monday Night Raw, where they've got three big hours to fill week to week. But a couple of weeks ago, you obviously have the Daniel Bryan retirement celebration, which caused a huge stir on social media and was really one of the best moments in the company's history. And now you have this big moment with Shane. And so I think it's a good thing for the company. It's something new and something fresh, even though they had to bring somebody old back into the fold. Yeah, and, and I, I just have to be transparent here. When when Shane was active uh, on camera in the company, uh, that was from about 2000 to 2010. And I have to be honest, that's when I was sort of checked out from WWE, so I missed the whole Shane McMahon era. But ever since the net, the WWE Network came into existence and I've gone back and like watched all these pay-per-views and matches and episodes of Raw and documentaries and everything, Shane has become one of my favorite characters, period. And that's from a combination of what he offers creatively as a part of the McMahon dynasty. You know, he's had a, a he had a really great run where sometimes he was he was aligned with his dad, sometimes he was against his dad and the rest of his family, and he and he was always amazing on the mic. He's a great actor. And then you you combine that with his ability as a worker, as a real wrestler. I mean, especially in the sense of of selling and taking big bumps and and being fearless 
when it comes to to performing very risky high spots. So obviously set six or seven years have passed. He's he looks like he's in great shape, but he's obviously aged. He's great. He's got gray hair now. It's going to be interesting to see how far they take it. But they would not book a hell in the cell with these two guys who have such a such reputations for for giving it their all and and pulling off big risky maneuvers. They're going to have to to do something, and that that is absolutely going to be. It's not the main event technically, but I think everyone is going to be watching WrestleMania to see what happens there. Yeah, for sure. And, and what's interesting, Graham, and we've alluded to the other big match there between Brock Lesnar and Dean Ambrose, this no-holds-barred street fight that was announced last night when Ambrose obviously came back from that vicious attack that he suffered from Brock Lesnar before Raw and then his challenging Brock Lesnar, getting beat up again by Brock Lesnar, and that leading to what will be a really or hotly anticipated match there and it's weird that these two matches the, the Lesnar Ambrose and now Undertaker Shane they seem to have sort of overshadowed the main event and it seems like people are going to be paying buying tickets in in ordering the network or ordering the pay-per-view mainly to see those matches instead of this main event that WWE concocted as a result of Fastlane and you know, while while I thought the Fastlane match was great, I, I sort of agree with people on, on the result. It was predictable. It's something that didn't work the first time, uh, a calendar year ago, when Vince and company tried to really push Reigns to the forefront of the business, and, and fans just reacted so harshly. So I think that that's a questionable decision just in terms of business and how people obviously reacted. Maybe kids love Roman Reigns, and maybe they're selling a lot of Roman Reigns merchandise and people just aren't acknowledging that aspect of the business which obviously goes a long way i mean the same reaction people have had the same reaction to cena in the past and he's obviously really divisive but if you go to a wwe live event the majority of the people there especially the kids there are all decked out in john cena stuff so perhaps they see reigns trending in a similar direction so my next question graham just in terms of this main event in, in what Triple H did at the end of the episode. And I guess there was a little buildup before that. Where do you see Triple H in terms of a draw right now? Because they seem to have a lot of confidence in him and that he's sort of, in his own way, the face of the company. He's the COO in, in terms of storyline, the head of the authority, at least under Vincent Mann, who, who pulls all the strings. And even though he, like Stephanie, as Shane put it last night, is is responsible in a way for the decline in interest and ratings and and all of that and and I, the injuries thing I think is going a little bit too far but maybe there's a trend there even though the, they were you know such a visible part of all of that they still thought that it was wise to solve that by giving us even more Triple H and making him the champion and the Royal Rumble winner and now one half of the main event of the next WrestleMania, of what could be the biggest WrestleMania ever in terms of the venue that they're at. Why why do you think, or do you think that this is good business? And do you think, just as a fan, that this is the right way to go? Well, I think that last night, while last night, you know, all anybody's talking about, for the most part, is is the Shane McMahon return, and justifiably so. It's it's huge news um, that, that trended worldwide. But I think that people might be missing the fact that 
there was a uh, development in the Roman Reigns Triple H feud that might make it turn the corner and go in a in a in a direction that will result in fans going you know basically becoming fans of uh of Reigns and for him to go over with the smart fans because now Triple H came out there and just brutalized Roman Reigns at the end of the show. I mean it was it was ugly. It was well beyond TV PG uh parameters. I mean it was just it, it was it was it was sick. It was supremely violent. And I think as George Brown your your previous guest on the show I have I have a feeling he might have been a little uh, taken aback by the violence since he watches it with his young son. I'm interested to see what he thinks of that. But Roman Reigns was bloodied, brutalized, abused, and I hope that this will bring out this mean streak that he needs to have. And when he's at WrestleMania and he gets the upper hand on Triple H and is able to punish Triple H in a similar, if not the same way, that will, again, symbolize the striking back at authority that made Stone Cold Steve Austin such an iconic figure back in the 90s when, you know, he uh, basically went after his boss and, and gave all these people a chance to vicariously live through him and do something that, that most people, if not uh, pretty much all people, would never do, which is like strike back against the boss. And that that's what now Roman Reigns has a chance to do. And I think Triple H is still people. Some people have t- Triple H fatigue, but he's still iconic. He obviously is still in amazing shape. He's still great on the mic, and he's willing to get as much heat as possible. You know, in these types of instances, even breaking sort of the rules, the new TV TV PG rules, to try and get the kind of heat that you need going into WrestleMania to set up that you know for, to set up Roman Reigns going over on him in a way that will, will satisfy people to see him brutalizing the guy that, that bloodied him, the guy that screwed him, uh, I think is, you know, they took one little step in the right direction last night. We'll just have to see where it goes from here. Well, you said mean streak, and I think that's a good way to put it. And that's obviously what WWE tapped into last night, bringing back Shane, obviously, and, and Triple H, obviously, brutalizing Roman Reigns the way he did. It was a big sort of, Harkening back to perhaps the attitude era that today's smart fans long for, and and maybe Vince realizes that, you know, hey, Vince kind of came back not too long ago and became a part of the storyline on camera again, which is obviously a nod to that. And and when WWE was thriving, and what we saw last night sort of reminded me of those days too. Not just because of Shane McMahon, but the manner in which they carried out the production in, in the sort of themes they reintroduced to the fold. And, and, you know, in the PG era, perhaps people are just getting a little too bored with it. I mean, that's obvious in terms of the numbers that people have all been whining about in terms of WWE not being what it once was. And now it's having to reach in deeper into the bag of tricks and call in favor after favor, whether that's Shane McMahon or bringing back these other old personalities that people love. I mean, that's why you see The Rock get such huge reaction when he comes back. That's why you see Stone Cold Steve Austin get huge reactions whenever he comes back. Whenever they throw back to that day and age, again, when WWE was thriving in the way it was and when there was that edge to it, that's when people seem to have the most positive reactions. And I, I think that's great. And, and going back to Triple H, you know, I think that he his best quality is as a 
in-ring performer. And I look forward to seeing him go up against Roman Reigns. I think they will probably put on a really good match. Again, I think Roman Reigns is a really talented guy who's gotten a bad rap from these fans who have just, you mentioned before, started this wave of detesting him no matter what. They're being defiant and they're trolling of his push. And I think that's unfortunate because I think he's a good commodity for the company. He's got a great look. He's gotten better on the mic, gotten better in the ring. So I hope that they come around on him. The problem here is, Graham, you heard the fans last night in the way that they were cheering for Triple H when he was doling out all of this punishment on Roman mm-hmm. Reigns. And, and that is a polar opposite to what you just mentioned in terms of how Steve Austin was received by people. Everybody hated Vince McMahon and everybody wanted to see the employee beat up the boss and, and stand up to the boss. It seems to be the opposite right now. And it's probably just because the employee happens to be Roman Reigns. So it seems uh, well, to be backfiring, but no. hopefully they'll, they'll make it, hopefully they'll work it to their favor. No, I think they will. I think people were just so psyched up. And look, they, another instance where the fans were sort of – they went a, di- a way I didn't expect them to was even after they cheered Dean Ambrose so much, and he, Dean Ambrose was the fan favorite in that main event the night before, when when Brock Lesnar f 5 Dean Ambrose on Raw, the crowd who I thought were all Dean Ambrose fans started chanting one more time. <laughs> You're talking about a bunch of bloodthirsty animals that just want to see destruction, okay? They love Brock Lesnar, yet they cheer when, when Ambrose and, and Reigns throw him through two announce tables. You know, the, these people just want to see destruction. And I see, I think that in the moment, obviously, it was – and everybody wanted to see that anyway because, and, you know, I think WWE did those fans a favor by letting Roman Reigns get brutalized. Now it's how do they react to that. Uh, you know, they're going to start rolling that into video packages and telling that story is this guy who could potentially be just changed forever after that incident. Hopefully that's what happens. And now, you know, his character has always needed to pivot. And this is that perfect opportunity because he's been so beaten down and brutalized by the authority figure. He needs to do some of his own brutalizing, to be honest. And, and our friend Ben Stark has always made good points that at the end of Money in the Bank, I, I can't remember which pay-per-view it was when – he, well, it wasn't Money in the Bank because it was Sheamus, right? When he, he when Roman Reigns won the title, and then Sheamus obviously comes out there and, and cashes in. Before that, he beat up Triple H, and he went nuts, and everybody seemed to really like that. That mm-hmm. brutal, physical, strong, angry Roman Reigns. And ever since then, they've kind of made him look bad week after week, whether that's losing matches, losing the title after a short tenure as champ or getting punked out by Stephanie or, or other authority figures. They've just made this guy, this new hero, who's supposed to be this big badass, they've made him look kind of like a punk week after week. And so it's his turn, and I love how they let the good guys and bad guys sort of take turns week to week. Either the good guy wins this week or the bad guy wins next week. Now it's leading up to WrestleMania. It's going to be his turn, and he's going to have to, he's going to, have to dole out a similar beating to Triple H to convince people that this is an even-handed match. So hopefully they'll do something that makes Roman Reigns look good because for the past year plus, people just aren't buying it. And I don't know what they can do other than outside of make Roman Reigns a bad guy at this point. I don't know what they can do to sell him to these smart fans who just want to hate him seemingly for not no reason, 
because, again, his push maybe came a little sooner than it should have, especially in the eyes of those fans. But it kind of feels like no reason because I personally feel like he's earned his keep at this point. I think it's it's going to be a combination of keep hurting his friends, keep hurting him, and give him a chance to to rescue somebody that deserves to be helped that when the fans aren't expecting it to really get behind him, you know, instead of just fighting for himself. You know, it's going to be interesting. And I'm just seeing now, I'm just watching the clip back on WWE's YouTube channel that they made it black and white. It was so bloody. <laughs> um, so, so I think that I think that what they did last night, they hurt. They hurt Ambrose. They showed Reigns desperately looking at his phone, trying to get updates at the hospital. Then they hurt him even more than we ever thought they would. They just got to keep doing it. And and, and that, that's you know, I don't. I think after a point, people are kind of going to stop enjoying the slaughter of this guy, and they're going to want him to get his his uh, revenge. So, Graham, at this point, these three big matches that we now know about that are on the WrestleMania card, mm-hmm. Triple H versus Reigns, Undertaker versus Shane, Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose, how would you rank those three in terms of which you're most anticipating? Easily ranking from one to three in terms of anticipation. Most anticipated is, is Undertaker Shane. Number two is Dean Ambrose, Lesnar, and three would be the Triple H, Roman Reigns. I'm guessing that the main event probably ranks dead last for everybody. That's just. Well, let's see how they feel. Let's see how they feel in 40 days. You know, they've got a lot of time to build this story. So let's see how they feel uh, in 30 days. I just think that if you know we're asking that question now, I think you know once once Fastlane ended, or obviously if it was traditional, and once Raw Rumble ended, and the number one contender was named, and we had our WrestleMania match scheduled usually that gets people going, right? And they've got several months instead of just one to promote this main event. And they obviously, once again, had to improvise and figure out a way to boost the interest of the fans. I don't think it worked as well this time, obviously, as, say, the Daniel Bryan thing did a couple of years ago. And, and again, there's no clear fan favorite, and, and maybe he's just a once-in-a-generation Type of fan favorite, you know, in the in the in the way that he and and Rock and Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan were right growing up, but mm-hmm. uh, you know I, that that's what I think WWE is clearly missing right now. They've got a ton of talent, they just don't have that one guy that the fans all love outside of Brock Lesnar, who is obviously a part timer, and Dean Ambrose, who is I think probably the most well liked person on their roster right now, but somebody that Vince and company obviously don't want to give the big push or else he would have won fast lane by now. So they, they have to really write themselves out of a corner in that they don't have that one guy or one woman who fans just absolutely love and want to see pushed to the extreme. And so I think that that has once again put them in a tough spot. Yeah, and it's a tough spot. And to be fair, the reason that, that is the way it is partially is because that guy you're describing – was just told by doctors that he must stop wrestling forever, you know? And I'm not saying that Daniel Bryan has the physicality to contend, realistically contend with people like Brock Lesnar, et cetera, but that was the guy. And so it's tough, but I feel like it's sort of like wanting to fire a coach because his team's losing right after their star player got injured. It's going to take some, some time, some rebuilding and, Fortunately, they have NXT and they have a lot of guys that want it, you know, and they have so many other injured guys. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for now. But my sort of closing thought here is after a so-so fast lane, 
last night's Raw was absolutely a step in the right direction. I totally agree, and I, I feel good about the direction we're going in. You know, I don't, I don't know that most fans are, are 100% convinced that everything is fixed, but like you said, at the top of this, the wounds are starting to heal, and they took a great step by bringing somebody like Shane back, and I know that everybody looks forward to seeing how he sort of redevelops as a WWE personality. He, he obviously showed that he is, he still got it as the fans chanted. So yeah. things look good. Huh. It's just a matter of can they can they maintain this, and will Vince have to call in even more favors to get people more excited? So, Graham, thanks for talking to me. And, and before we go, you produced a really interesting video for businessinsider.com about Donald Trump and his relationship with WWE. Before we go, I'm going to link to that video in the show notes. Can you tell people a little bit about what that video is? Thank you. Yeah, for, for almost 30 years, Donald Trump has had a healthy relationship with Vince McMahon and WWE, going back to when he hosted two WrestleManias in a row, four and five, at his property in Atlantic City. Then in 2007, he had the memorable feud with Vince McMahon. Uh, leading up to WrestleMania 23, where he, the, he ended up shaving Vince McMahon's head. Then he was inducted into the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting relationship, an unlikely relationship for a guy who could potentially become the next president of the United States. We talked to his biographer, his unauth- unofficial biographer, Michael D'Antonio, the author of this book called Never Enough that's become very popular. And he talks about sort of how Trump has drawn on his experience with Vince McMahon and the WWE and applied some of those attributes from the world of pro wrestling into his political persona. Yeah, it's a great video, and, and it's 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 just crazy to see that not only has Donald Trump made it this far as a legit, by now, Republican presidential candidate, but I mean, the guy is just right out of WWE. I mean, he, he, he seems like a WWE character, and it, it's just no coincidence, obviously, that he has a great interest in the product and has a good relationship with Vince McMahon. So people definitely watch that video. And Graham, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Rammer Slammer is produced and edited by Ben Flanagan for the Alabama Media Group on AL.com. Find us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Rammer Slammer. Thanks for listening.